Did you see us sitting in the window with tears rolling down And the love that she bore with a thousand tears is drowning I blew the horn and waited in the car for John. When he finally came out, he said, Oh, my mom wants to meet you. I've told her all about you. Well, there's no way he told her all about me. I was going to get him out of my system. He was not worth my effort. We went into the house. I followed behind him, and I thought about how I'd like to have sex with him in the front yard for all to see. Wouldn't that be something? Another fantasy. His mom seemed nice enough, a stay-at-home mom that was also a nurse. She thought maybe my mom and her had something in common. The only thing in common was they had homo sons. Once we got in the car and started traveling up the turnpike, I asked him, Do I mean anything to you? Do you ever think about me? It's been over two months, and I'm confused. I was watching the road in front of me as I spoke. It didn't matter what his answer was. I just had to say something to release myself. He wasn't busy. He was out at gay bars while I sat back waiting for him to call. He rolled up his window, looked over at me with those gorgeous blue eyes, and said, I think about you. How much fun we had. I think you are a swell guy. I'm not sure what you want from me. Well, if he didn't know, then there was nothing. I had wasted my time. I figured once we got to the school, I'd just keep my distance. If he wanted a random hookup, then he could go to the gay bars. He's the one that came on to me. So I said, hey, no big deal. I just thought we had something. You were so affectionate in the first couple of weeks, telling me that song reminds you of us. I don't get it. I've been sick wondering what I did wrong. But don't worry. I just needed to know that you don't want to be with me. I just about lost it when I said those words. I'd never been with someone that had such a cruel hold on me on my thoughts, on my mind. He didn't say anything for minutes. I continued to think about all the drama with Doc. John overloaded my head with things he said to me in the first two weeks. Now all that's etched in my mind. He finally said, I'm sorry. That was it. He wasn't looking at me. He was watching the road and looking At the side, all the litter scattered. I had my answer, not the explanation I wanted. I guess I needed to be alone. I would go back home on the weekend and meet up with Lee. I might even go to the bar on my own. I was in an aggressive mood, so I said, Doesn't it seem clumsy when we are sitting at the frat table and the other guys say things like, Queer as a three-dollar bill, faggots, cocksuckers. I could tell from his expression he wanted to be gentle with his answer. He was soft-spoken by nature. His answer would be in a gentle fashion. So he did say, 
I don't like it. But if I said anything, they'd think I was taking up for homos. Maybe they would think I was one. You just have to accept that they are ignorant. If they knew more, they wouldn't say those things. So I said, yeah, it is ignorance. But who's going to point it out to them? I was a wimp. I didn't want to get called names and possibly get my ass whooped. We drove the remainder of the trip without speaking. There was no use. I played my eight-track tapes of Led Zeppelin and Janis Joplin. No way would I play Simon and Garfunkel. I wanted nothing to do with them and their music. We arrived at FAU, and he got his stuff out of the car and said, See you around. That was it. It was the best thing for me. I could shed myself of all the hope and heartache. I told myself one day I'd look back and see him as a bump in the road. I had a ton of homework to do, work that I had planned to do on the weekend. Things got away from me. I'd be up till early morning just to be ready for Aberly. He would ask me about the Jewish accounting firm. I hadn't called them yet. Too busy. Tim came out of his room and was stoned. He was babbling on about the universe and God. Told me he was a Buddhist. Sounded foreign to me. And it didn't help with my accounting homework. The week was humdrum. Nothing dramatic. Lee did call me at the dorm and said, Hey, let's get together Saturday night. Maybe catch a movie or eat in. Me and the guys have swim practice on Sunday, and we would like you to come and watch. I agreed. Who wouldn't want to see a lot of hot guys in Speedos? So far, Lee seemed genuine. I had no attachment to him. It would just be fun. Have a meal with gay guys. So here I was, sitting on opposite ends of the frat table from John... I was contemplating ditching all of them, a bunch of racists and homophobes. Only a few were serious about their career. Most were enjoying not having parents around telling them what to do all the time, precisely what was needed. Who are they to judge me? They like me because they think I'm one of them. So late Friday afternoon on my way home, I interviewed with the Jewish accounting firm. They liked me and would give me work to do remotely. It would be tedious bookkeeping work, but at least it was a start. I could work in their homestead office when on school breaks. They wanted me in homestead because I was from there. Being Jewish and making inroads in homestead would be like flying to the moon in a Volkswagen. would take a lot of finagling. The one thing bugging me was how and when to have the conversation with Elsa. She probably knew something was going on with me. She was not one to assume anything. She would want some evidence or corroboration before she accepts the fact. I had written pages of how to go about telling her I was a homo. I feared she would disown me. It was possible was also possible she would accept me. She had to take a trainload of shit with raising four boys and no husband, with kids starting fires, 
getting put in jail for drag racing, suspended from school for any number of things. All was a work in progress. She knew I was different. I was soft and sensitive. Elsa also wanted me to sit with her and Doc and work things out. In a practical sense, it'd be the wisest choice. I didn't need to work for him anymore. If he agreed to pay my tuition and books, then that would make it easier on me. I wasn't going to have him meddle in my personal life. He also supplied me with speed at no charge. I had learned to skip two days between doses so I would get a major league boost. You can't take speed every day. So Elsa and I had dinner together. She had no plans for the evening, just her and me. It was time to get it over with, have the conversation. It reminded me of going to the dentist for a filling. It'd be painful, but it'd be for the best. Had to happen. Me finally getting the words out would be the drill spinning at 100 miles per hour. I knew from experience that Elsa did not oppose the homosexual lifestyle. When I was 11 years old, Elsa and I were in Anderson's Corner on a Saturday morning. There were several customers, along with Uncle Bill and Aunt Mildred. Mildred ran the cash register and also handled the cigarette sales. Bill dealt with the gas pumps and oil changes. He also took care of the back meat and dairy cooler. He'd slice the cheese or meat and then wrap it up in white butcher paper, tape it up and then put a price on it for Mildred to charge. Sometimes he'd just holler over to Mildred how much to charge. About the time we checked out, Mac nodded to Elsa and said, That Doc Warrington you worked for had a party last night. The music was deafening. We were going to call the cops, but then it quieted down. I knew right then something unpleasant was going to happen. Something unpleasant for Mac. I could see Elsa was not too interested in where Mac was going. The two of them had graduated from Redland School in 1933. Both had parents that were pioneers in the Redland area. She said, I work for him, but I don't know anything about any party. I'm glad it quieted down so you and Virginia could get back to sleep. Well, she knew about the party because she was there. The other interesting thing is most of the cops were at the party because he was the doctor for the cops. Mac then said, Warrington's a homosexual, isn't he? He was waving his hand back and forth like he was trying to balance a marble. His comment was out of the blue. I knew it was something she wouldn't appreciate. Then there was what seemed like an extended bit of silence. When Mac said homosexual, all the conversations and gossip came to a halt throughout the store. Mildred was dangling a cigarette in the air about to flick ashes on the floor. It was quiet as prayer time at the Silver Palm Methodist Church. We attended that church because my grandmother was a founder, and she liked it. Elsa turned to Mac and said, I don't know anything about that, and I don't know what business it is of yours. The other shoppers were looking at the two of them. 
She had a tone that was, you best not continue on, Buster. I actually felt terrible for Mac, because he had just been assaulted with a bag of hammers to the head. He just had his ass handed to him in front of other neighbors and my aunt and uncle, the Redland Internet in 1958. The dust-up would spread around for the next few days. We exited the store, got in our 56 Ford, and headed back home. She never said another word about it. She did what was needed. So her and I finished dinner, and she said, I know something's going on with you. You are not yourself. Do you want to talk about it? There would be no beating around the bush. Just get down to business. She never indulged me. I had just taken some of the dishes to the sink. I figured better not to look at her to get the conversation going. So I started out. Well, I want to talk to you about what's going on with me. It's got me upset. It's not only that, but I've met someone that doesn't want to see me anymore. I was really nervous. I feel like a mental wreck. She said, well, what is it? I can't help you if you don't tell me what it is. Well, I knew that. It was just how to say it, get it out and not be interrupted. She was getting up from the table to take the rest of the dishes to the sink. So are you going to do the dishes? So I said, I wanted to talk to you about all that business with Doc. Here's the moment of truth. He molested me when I was 10 years old. One of those nights when you picked him up from the bar. You left me at his house with him and the dog so that you could go home and get Jerry to fetch Doc's car from the bar. I hadn't planned on telling her that, but it just came out. So she said, Well, why are you telling me this now? All these years later, did he do it? Or are you making it up because of what happened last weekend? She wasn't happy. My heart was racing. So I said, I'm telling you because it did happen and there was no way I could tell anybody. It was a long time ago. I think it did something to me. She said, well, why now? What do you want to do about it? This conversation was going in the opposite direction of where I needed to go. She didn't need to know about my molestation. I thought it was something I had to keep to myself back then. She admired him. He was a successful doctor and surgeon and practiced for himself. He was at our house for holidays and meals. He'd usually get shit-faced drunk, but he was entertaining, especially with Grandma Flora, who was a teetotaler. She admired him. Why would I want to change any of that? The people I respected and loved adored him. I'm telling you now because I think maybe it did something to me. Did something to me with me liking guys. I never wanted to like guys, but I couldn't stop myself. It just happened. I had not scripted that version. Under pressure, things happen. She said, well, what about Bonnie? And what about Pat before that and Diane before that? You like girls. She wasn't buying it. No, I like guys. That guy John that called the house the other day? 
well, he and I had something that happened. I had never had an experience like that before. All I can describe it as is passion. I have not been able to think of anything but him since we met. I felt better getting to the point. It would get resolved. I was breathing again. I began putting the dishes into our portable dishwasher. Then she said, So the thing with John, was he the man or woman? I knew the answer she wanted. You don't want your son to be the woman. Lee had already told me some new words. Versatile, top, bottom. I wasn't going to get into that with her. Never. So I said, I was the man. It doesn't matter. It's more about a connection. A deeper feeling than I've ever experienced before. The worst thing is now he wants nothing to do with me. I went out to talk to Doc about it, and that's how all this other shit happened. I actually felt relieved. It was out there, and I could move on truthfully. Her for now, others later. Then she said, I thought you might be. Freddie and I have talked about it. He agreed with me. So now she had Freddie in it. Every time I see him, he will be thinking, Joe's a homo. Well, so be it. Then she said, Do you still want to date girls? You'd be better off with girls. A homosexual lifestyle is not easy. Look at Doc. I agree life would be easier with a girl. I don't have the passion as I do for a guy. I talked to Father Steve about it and also went to see a hypnotist. I'm still dating Bonnie and I'll keep dating her. I don't want anyone at school to know. They wouldn't accept this. I wasn't going to tell her sex with a girl would be not as exciting. It'd be similar to talking masturbation with your mother. Her to me or me to her. So then she said, It's nobody's business what you do with a guy. You just need to keep it to yourself. If that's what you want, then you need to be very careful. I don't want to see you get hurt. A lot of people, including your relatives, will not understand. It's not going to be easy for you. She poured each of us a glass of wine. You asked me years ago why Doc drank so much. I think he drinks because of how hard it's been for him with the judgment. She took a sip and then said, Your grandmother that adored you would not have been okay with this. She was a fundamentalist. The talk with Elsa was the best single thing I had pulled off in the last few months. Having her know the truth and being on my side was all I needed. Even with a broken heart, I was moving forward from John. It actually felt great to talk to her about my feelings for him and try to deal with being a homo, able to share my pain, no agenda. She told me, All these people you call friends are not your friends. They're acquaintances. You can't trust them. You'll find out the hard way. They'll let you down. That's why I told you that you don't need to be telling any busybodies your business, especially about being gay. She poured us another small glass of wine. And then she said, There's something I want to tell you, something I've never told anyone. I would have never guessed that by being open and honest that she would do the same with me. 
pretty much confirming all was good with her and me. So then she went on, about three years after your father died, I was seeing a cop named Steve. Well, I remembered Steve. He drove a big motorcycle for the Dade County Police Department. He was nice to me. He'd let me sit on the seat, and I was fascinated by the messages coming across his radio. Someone in trouble. It lasted about a year. He'd tell me how I should be raising my boys. I told him it was none of his business. I'll raise my boys the way I see fit. What I wanted to tell you is that I got pregnant and I had an abortion. I was stunned. I also was thankful, thankful that she had the abortion, even if it was illegal. She didn't need another kid. She already had four boys. She was looking for my approval. So I said, I'm glad you did it. For your information, I already knew. She put her wine glass down and had a puzzled look on her face. Father Steve would ask you, what do you think? That's what he said to me when I told him about being a homo. She said, well, how did you know about the abortion? I said, Doc told me. He told me when I was talking to him about John one night. He had been drinking, and I was upset what the life of a homo would be like. I knew she would not want to hear it about Doc, a secret that should have been kept secret. Doc told me he had performed the abortion in his office. He had agreed that she didn't need another kid. Doc didn't like the cop. Turned out, the cop was married and hadn't told Elsa about it. Doc demanded she stop seeing the cop when he performed the abortion. Then she said, well, what else did he tell you? I wasn't on Doc's side, but I wasn't going to make it worse for him. So I said, nothing. Is there something else you want to tell me? I probably should not have even mentioned the abortion, but it came out. Then she said, I think you and I need to have a sit-down with Doc. I spoke to him earlier, and he feels bad about all the drama he caused. He has a problem with alcohol and sex. He's had the problem for years. So I said, you think he feels bad? If he does and he'll continue to pay for my college, then I'm okay with things. I'm not worried about you finding out about my secret anymore. I don't even care about rehashing the molestation. It wouldn't change anything. Grandma Flora had taught me about feeling bad when I was in the 12th grade and had my 80-mile paper route. She would answer our one phone in the two-story house when none of us were around. If it were a paper customer calling to complain that they didn't get their paper on time or it was wet, she'd tell them, I'm more concerned about my grandson and that he's all right than your paper. I'll leave him a message. When I would get in from delivering, which was about 6.30 in the morning, she would give me any messages and have coffee ready for us. We'd sit at the table, and she'd say, No reason for you to feel bad about doing your best. Things happen. When I'd finish my coffee, she'd turn the cup upside down on the saucer, turn it three times, and then look inside at the grounds and how they had spread themselves out like a puzzle. She'd read the cup and tell me my future. 
The customer knew my grandmother because of being one of the first pioneers in the area. So Elsa said, yes, he feels bad and guilty. He was sobbing about what a mess he made, and he was sober. She put her dress pattern back in place on the dining table, then said, almost done. So I told her, you can call him and set something up. I'm going to watch some guys with the University of Miami swim team on Sunday afternoon. Other than that, the sooner the better. He has some newspapers that I'd like to read. I left them in the apartment. I wanted to get the Advocate newspaper and read more about the Stonewall incident. I had in my mind that maybe I should think about moving to New York. So Elsa called him and set up a meeting early Saturday. She and I would meet out at his house. That way I could get the newspapers. She wanted to read them too. She told me that the Cubans were moving out. She didn't know why and didn't care. They were using Doc. So her and I watched some TV, Gomer Pyle. After laughing along with the laugh track, I told her what Lee and Paul said to me about Rock Hudson. I said, Lee told me that Rock Hudson was a homo and he and Jim Neighbors were boyfriends. Besides that, Rock Hudson has a boyfriend that owns a gay bar in Miami, the warehouse. Can you believe it? And the foreman said, how many more will it take till you can drown your sorrows in your feelings? And she remembers a dog she found in the meadow swinging for I hope you enjoyed episode 7 of Navigating Muddy Waters. If you like my show, please tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Wondery, or wherever you are listening now. Everything in my show is based on actual events. I'm your host, Joe Calderwood. I'm also the writer, recorder, producer, and editor. Music is by Freddie Elmberg. I also have another podcast by the name of Stained Fortune, and you can find that wherever you listen to your podcast.